The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Anyone who has suffered grievously or anyone who has been in a time of great uncertainty and anxiety, or anyone who has suffered a serious loss, anyone who's been in those kinds of situations knows that there are certain kinds of advice or counsel or kind words that people offer which are completely unhelpful. You know these kinds of words, the kinds of things that we all are tempted to say because we want to alleviate some of the suffering. So we just say kinds of things like, well, it could be worse. That's dreadfully unhelpful. It could be worse. Or everything always happens for a reason. Really? I'd like to know what good reason there is for this suffering that I'm undergoing. Or look on the brighter side. There's a brighter side. There's always a silver lining to this cloud. You can find some positive in this situation. These kinds of words, we know that they fall empty. They fall flat on their face. They're like a deflated balloon. And after a while, they not only provide no comfort, but they even get frustrating to hear time and again. Maybe you've been in that position. Maybe you've said those kinds of things. You know that those kinds of comforts don't really carry much weight. Now, you don't have to be, this is an important point, you don't have to be a Christian to undergo those kinds of exercises, to look for the brighter side of things, to look for the silver lining, to try and find the positive, or to try and see the reason for something that's happened. You don't have to be a Christian to do that. Sometimes folks think that that's what it means to be a Christian, to think that there's a reason for everything that happens. And that reason is enough to get us through the suffering. But you don't have to be a Christian. Non-Christians do this as well. In fact, I read recently a study that shows that even atheists, folks who don't believe that God exists, they are inclined to imagine that everything happens for a reason because they want to somehow, some way, make sense of the suffering that is in their lives. And they go through these kinds of exercises and thinking, what's the bright side here? How could this be worse? Now, we know that those things fall flat on their face, and when they infect Christianity, when they infect the Christian faith, it's really a problem because that's not the gospel. Simply looking for the brighter side of things, looking for the silver lining, or trying to see some positive, or trying to find some reason for the things that go wrong in your life, that's not the gospel. 
And in fact, when that infects Christianity, it's much more like a spiritual version of constantly eating leftovers. So you're always looking for just a little bit left over. You put it back in the fridge and pull it out later and heat it up again and again and again and again. And you know what happens eventually? The more times you put that in the microwave, the harder and tougher and less eatable it becomes. It's miserable eating those leftovers again and again and again. And yet that's the kind of comfort that we're so often looking for. Just, you know, a little bit of leftovers, the kind of comfort that we give. It is to think of the gospel as an insurance policy thinking that the gospel means simply looking for the brighter side of things. It's like having an insurance policy, so that when things go miserable, well, at least I've got this in my back pocket. I've paid my premium, and so when all else fails, I know I can cash in on this bit of comfort. It's so easy to think of the gospel in that way, which is why Paul's words to the Philippians are so helpful. Paul explains that the gospel, for him, means that he has the secret to both success and failure, to good times and bad, to doing well and to doing poorly. Because the gospel is not just about getting out of jail free. It's not just about being brought safely out of a tough bind, but it is something that governs your whole life. It is something that has promises for your whole life from beginning to end. The problem with these kinds of outlooks, especially when they infect Christianity, when they infect the Christian faith, is that they put our hope in purely earthly things. The hope is that what God means for me is to have a comfortable, peaceful, earthly life. That the things that I'm suffering right now, that someday, somehow, in this life, those things will be resolved. And that is my hope. Paul tells us that for those who hope only in earthly things, there is no hope. If we, as Christians, only hope for earthly things, then we, of all people, are most to be pitied because our hope is not for this life. Our hope is not the restoration of all of the things that we suffer in this life right now. But our hope is in the promises of God for eternity. Our hope is in the righteousness of God. For all of the things that we suffer, all of the things that we hope for somehow to be resolved, all of those things are dealing with temporal, earthly things, things that are on the surface. They're dealing with symptoms of a deeper problem. This is what Jesus is getting at when he speaks the Beatitudes, when he teaches these blessings to the disciples who are gathered around. He's showing them that there is something deeper, something better, something more important for them to seek. He's teaching them that there are blessings that, as far as the world is concerned, do not look like blessings at all, but are in fact curses. He's teaching them that they should put their hope in him and not in anything that this world offers. He's teaching them that when their hearts are changed by him, when they're given new hearts from him, when they repent and believe the gospel, their hope is in something completely different than what this world hopes for. It is a hope for righteousness. It is a hope for holiness. It is a hope to someday be like Christ in perfection and glory. That is not what anyone in this world wants because... To be made like Christ means going through the cross. To be made like Christ means suffering and dying first. To be made like Christ means enduring all kinds of hardship and being laid in the grave and awaiting patiently the resurrection that comes from God. That is why sort of at the center of the Beatitudes is this blessing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. Blessed are you when what you hunger and thirst for is not things of this world, but the righteousness that comes from God. What Jesus is offering is not merely a cure to all of our temporal ills. He's offering us something deeper. He's not just giving us Tylenol for our headache, but he's offering a cure for the root of the problem. He's not just putting on a band-aid, but he is digging deep and restoring our broken, sinful flesh. That is where this promise that comes in Revelation can hold true. You heard in Revelation chapter 7 that there will come a day when for you all of these earthly ills will be gone. Notice what the elder says. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. But why will that be the case? Why will every tear be wiped from their eyes? Why will they no longer suffer all of the manifest things that we suffer in this life? It is because their robes have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's because the root of their problem, their unrighteousness, their sin, our unrighteousness, our sin is being dealt with in Christ. And that is the blessing that matters most of all. That is the blessing that makes every other blessing pale in comparison. That is the blessing that Christians cling to, hoping against all hope, hoping contrary to what your eyes see, contrary to what you feel in your own flesh, hoping in Christ's words, in his sacrifice, that his righteousness is yours. This is what the Beatitudes are promising. The Beatitudes are not a list. The blessings are not a list of things that you must do in order to inherit eternal life. It's not that you must somehow make yourself poor in spirit, or you must somehow make yourself mourn, or make yourself meek, or make yourself hungry for righteousness. But in Christ, all of these things are true of you. For you who hope in Christ, you are poor in spirit because you recognize all of the things that you lack, all of the spiritual blessings that God has promised you which you do not yet possess in full. You are mourning because you know that the wages of sin is death. You mourn death in a way that the world could not mourn it because you know it comes from our own fault, our own most grievous fault. You are meek. Not because you're putting on some air of false humility, but because God has brought you low. You hunger and thirst for righteousness because God himself has taught you how precious righteousness is. But look at all of those blessings. Look at the promises that are attached to that condition that you now find yourselves in as children of God. Look at those promises. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who mourn. For you will be comforted. Blessed are you who are meek, for you will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be satisfied. You have been made merciful. You have been made pure in heart. You have been made into peacemakers because you are in Christ. And you show to the world all of his virtue when you love the way that he loved you. And you shall receive mercy. You will see God. You will be called, and are even now called, sons of God. Put your hope in these blessings and these promises, even when, like that last beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, even when, on account of the gospel, on account of loving the righteousness of God, you suffer specifically for it. Hold fast to the promises of God, because that is your sure and certain hope. And his blessings, his blessings never fade. They never go away. They are not like so many reheated leftovers 
They're not like an insurance policy, but they are something that goes, runs through your whole life from beginning to end. His blessings are what you receive day in and day out by means of his words and his promises. In fact, today, even more, by his body and blood given and shed for you. Hold fast to all of these blessings. Put your hope in them. Trust in God's promises. For your hope is not for this life only, but it is for eternity. And as surely as Christ is risen from the dead, as surely as he has conquered death and defeated the devil for your sake, so also will you. Though your bodies are laid into a grave, so also will you one day rise to receive all of these blessings in full. That is what we rejoice in today as we remember all of those who have died in the faith. We rejoice that they now rest from their labors. That they who struggled against sin, they who loved the righteousness of God, that they are at peace. That they no longer labor under the toil of sin. That they no longer hunger and thirst for righteousness. We thank God that he keeps his promises. And we remember with joy all that they have given to us by means of the memories that we have of them. All of the witness that they provide to us. The faith in Christ which will not be put to shame. We thank God that he keeps his promises as he's keeping them now for those we love whom we have lost. What a gift it is that we have something far better than what the world has, the comfort, the failing comforts of the world. We don't just have memories which fade away. We have a hope of a future, a future at peace with God, living eternally in his righteousness. Put your trust in him. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.